I have dealt with some form of insurance and insurance agents for the past 20 years. Yet it wasn't until I moved to Florida just over four years ago that I really understood the need for insurance. Throw in the experience of dodging Hurricane Irma, and the following guest moved from just being on my phone to being in a speed dial position. My guest is Ken Jones, Business Development Coordinator for W3 Insurance, Wallace, Wells, and Willingham, a top 100 property and casualty insurance agency in the United States, providing risk management for clients since 1925. Clients of W3 Insurance include companies as varied as solopreneurs all the way up to the Dolly Museum and every size in between. Ken has a 220 property and casualty license and began his insurance career in 2008. Ken Jones, welcome to the Aid to Nav podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm I'm uh, practicing my social distancing working from home, Robert. It's really an interesting world that we're in right now, and especially for those small and micro-sized businesses. And I know you is uh, doing that business development, and you've had to get a little creative with reaching out and uh, doing things uh, from a distance. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're, we're exclusively, our agency is about 115 employees headquartered downtown St. Petersburg. We also have a satellite office of about 10 individuals in Sarasota, but probably 85% of us are working from our home offices now and we're all, we haven't uh, suffered productivity. So this could be the future for a lot of us. Sure could. Well, you know, I was going into my intro before you got on about uh, insurance and I didn't really realize a lot about insurance until I got to Florida. Uh, Mm -hmm. I knew it was there, but uh, we're dealing with real time (laughs) insurance with uh, hurricanes, those types of things. And if anybody knows about risk management, it's you, Ken. I mean, what did you uh, audition for a Tom Hanks film one time uh, where you were out uh, spearfishing and the Coast Guard had to pick you up? I'll let you pick up the rest of the story there. Yeah, it's funny. I just had my 27th anniversary on June 26th. My friend and I were taking a day off from work, aka playing hooky, and we went out on his 23-foot boat about 20 miles offside of uh, Paso Grove, Florida for just some spearfishing. We like fishing on Thursday because the rest of the world is still working, which we should have been doing when you hear the rest of the story. And I'll encapsulate it, but there were only two of us on the boat, which means when we were underwater, we didn't have anybody in the boat, which is always a safety precaution. So that was our first mistake. The second mistake was we didn't let enough anchor rope out when we did the dive, which is insurance you always want to have extra scope but because it was one of those mirror calm days like we've been having in the summer we probably should have let another 50 feet out but short story the end of the story was we were rescued by the coast guard because our boat blew away from us during a squall while we were diving and when we surfaced there was lightning high winds pea-sized hail was pelting us and there was no boat to climb into for safety so we drifted all night, which was actually once the wind laid down, it was kind of beautiful. There's the Milky Way is very visible out there. And there was phosphorescent plankton in the water that was kind of like a Disney movie, you know. 
Uh, but the good news is the Coast Guard sent out a, a cutter that found us, which was like a needle in a haystack. So planning, proper planning, and that we can segue this into insurances, know the risks ahead of time, plan how to avoid them, and just in case, make sure you've got insurance, which in our case was we had our buoy comp our buoyancy compensator so we could float. You at, least, you at least had that, but I know I, yeah. I saw you right somewhere. You didn't have your flashlights. You didn't have your flares. You didn't have anything else that you would have really thought about. And I, I know you, you made that transition in, into insurance, and, and that's mm -hmm. what I want to talk about is for that, that <laughs> micro and small business. I know we were talking before we got on the air, and we've, we've had this yeah. discussion before that um, your, your company – uh, although it's it's larger in scope and it has that insurance offerings for the the Dolly Museum in St. Pete, uh, but yet the bread and butter is really that small and micro-sized business, isn't it? Right. If you look at the pyramid of companies in America, the top one or two percent are the, the hippopotamuses and the elephants and the whales, okay? So all agents, they all wanna hit the home run, they all wanna go after those big giant accounts. But when you look at the rest of the, the triangle, the largest percentage of businesses in America are small businesses. And so we have a, a dedicated unit in our agency, we call it the SBU, the Select Business Unit, and that's based on premium, which 95% of the companies we insure fall into that category. And so those are the companies that need the help of a big agency, but with a hands-on touch of a, like a boutique firm. So that's how we work, uh, address that. So how does a small business owner know what types of insurance they need? If they've got a, a, a dream of going into business or they've already gotten into business, how do they really know what they need, especially when it comes to the commercial or business side of it? Well, nowadays, Robert, with social media, there's so many different checklists that individuals can go and research before they get into business. And if you do this long enough, like I've been in the market for a Weber grill, so I've researched it and I know how many burners I want. I know what uh, construction of the grills. I want the ceramic coating. I want the tank scale. I, I knew what I wanted before I did it. So most people need to go online, do the research, and then pick an agent because insurance is rarely between the end user and the carrier. You need an agent in the middle. Now, there are some exceptions to that. Like we all have heard of the Geico's and the Progressive's where 15 minutes can save you, you know, 15%. <clears throat> but we represent carriers. A lot of the clients that we deal with can't get to directly. And, and so partnering with an agent can really be like the X factor when it comes to insurance. And one of the, I don't want to make this a commercial because I know this is supposed to be generic for your viewers, but really an agency with a lot of experience, you know, the old, uh, I think it's farmers commercial that we've seen a few things. So we yeah. know a few things, you know, the moose and the swing set. Yeah. And, and, and that's really, we're large enough to not go out of business. We've been in business for 95 years. So that's a long time. And no, I wasn't with him all that time. For the, <laughs> But you really just want to sit down with an agent and explain to them what you're trying to do and let them go and find different markets or carriers or insurance companies that offer those coverages and then find out what their budget is, but also 
you, you really don't want to buy price based on insurance. I use the analogy of a cheap parachute. You're only going to need insurance when you need it. And if it doesn't cover the loss or the claim, you've paid premium in for years for nothing. So do your homework, study, make a list, and then audition two or three different agents that either come refer to you or that you find in your local city. Yeah, and I'll piggyback on that as the small business owner that's wearing the number of hats. This is really something where you want to have a 70-30 or an 80-20 type of relationship in the standpoint of 70% or 80% of that information, those facts, those checklists that you have, that's what you want to be getting from the agent. That's the information because you're focused on making revenue to be able to pay for the insurance mm -hmm. and allowing them to provide you with the information, then doing an apples to apples comparison. And if it's not an apples to apples comparison, call them out on it. Call out the agent or call out your representative and say, hey, wait a second, this is here. Why didn't you have it on there? Or what was this information? Then do your key 20 or 30% where the rubber meets the road, shall we say, uh, and and do that comparison. And, and uh, you know, because agents are in the sales business, obviously they're going to try to sell you, um, get past that layer, get to the consultation layer, get through that information that, that goes through there. Uh, Ken, how yourself, how did you get into insurance? Back to your point before I tell you, that's huge yeah. what you pointed out is that if, if you're looking for an advisor, our agency, for example, we're trying to partner with our clients because a little known fact is that insurance is not profitable to an agency until about the third year. So we have to retain our clients, you know, getting somebody in on price means that they're likely to leave you based on price. We price shopping for insurance is something that your agent should be doing for you each year. And when you're a client of a new agent for the first time, they should provide a, a spreadsheet on offers A, B and C based on premium and coverage. And then there is such a thing as self-insuring. It means if you don't have the money to cover a certain exposure, then you're still covered. It's just your pocket and not an insurance company. I got started in insurance. I was coming out of the corporate uh, IT field. And when I was working with the IBM reseller, that's a company that's allowed to sell IBM based on your value add, which is usually software back if you remember back in the day, margins were shrinking, selling cycles were long, competition was fierce, and I was sick of it. And I had to start over every month, every year at zero. Insurance is one of those fields where you have renewals. And so if you work hard in years one through five, in year six through 10, you're reaping the benefits of your early five years because most clients, if you're servicing them, they stick around. And premiums rarely go down. You know, the world we live in is very litigious. So you see an increase in your income just based on lack of attrition and good service. And so I took a look at, at an agency that had been established, had been around a long time, made the career switch, and I'm still glad I did. 
and that says a lot for the small business picking out that type of company and really running their own company that way is that uh, it's not a one-time sale. It's a follow-up and follow-through. I know for yourself, and, and we could probably have a whole nother episode on networking and a whole nother episode yeah. on um, the folks that go and join the Chamber of Commerce because they were told they need to join it, but yet don't put in the work, don't put in yeah. the effort, don't put in the follow-up. It doesn't pay off. They're, they're very transactional, not relationship-based. And it shows. It shows every single yeah. time in their business and, and it shows in their results. I know. I've, I've, gotten, I've been with this agency for seven years now and it's a, it's a, it's a name that opens doors. It's not on trial any longer. And it's, it's you know, we don't, we don't feel like we're better because we're bigger. We feel like we're better because we're client-centric. This whole COVID back in March, we were all about letting our clients know what their exposures could be, how the business interruption was never covered under pandemic coverage or virus coverage because nobody knew. You know, an interesting fact is in, you know, when 911 happened, there was no terrorism coverage. And now that's a coverage that is offered. And not everybody buys it because if, unless you're in a high rise in New York, you probably don't need it. But we'll probably see pandemic insurance coming out in subsequent years based on what's happened it'll probably be for the large airlines and shipping companies mm -hmm. and you know those types of things but you know one of the back to the interviewing process robert when a person's talking to an agent one of the key questions they should ask about the proposal is what am i what's not in here what are the gotchas on this mm -hmm. coverage that you're offering me what's what am i going to wake up in the middle of the night realizing when I put in a claim that's not covered, you know, ask them where the, where the deficiencies are because some will have those. I mean, I have, I have examples if you ever want to know what they are. <laughs> it, and the, and the good agent wants to tell them it's they're they're kind of the stories as to, Oh, well, you yeah. wouldn't believe <laughs> right, right. what, what happened from this standpoint. Um, that small business, when they're doing it, there's, there's a couple different phases. As a solopreneur, the, the uh, coverage that they need, especially if they're in service or in an, an advice type of business, uh, as soon as they start to bring on employees and as soon as they start to get to right. uh, bring on any sort of space. Talk about the little differences that um, these, these micro businesses are facing with the insurance choices. Well, you have folks that work from home. They have very little exposure from property because they're not having clients come in. So from a liability standpoint, we still recommend that they get liability because they may be on premises of a client and any property damage. You know, when an example is you're driving out to a homeowners association and when you're going through the guard gate, you knock down the, the cover. That's on you, right? So uh, then as you start to get more and more exposures. Let's say you're a tenant now in a building, you're gonna need coverage for your contents and the landlord is gonna require you to have liability just in case something happens to his building while you're a tenant. And then as you begin to bring on workers or employees, you're gonna to wanna to cover them with workers' compensation because even, even though the state mandates you don't need workers' compensation insurance with four or less employees, you're the workers' compensation at that point. So if your secretary is putting that 40-pound water bottle on the cooler and sprains your back and can't 
go to work, guess who's paying for her to sit at home and watch Oprah? Yeah. The owner, right? Yeah. And then as you grow your company, you may have uh, you may have company vehicles. Uh, a lot of the solopreneurs need something called professional liability. It's different. If you're giving advice to people that take your advice, and as a result of their taking your advice, something goes south. You know, the the big attorney firms you see on TV will be knocking on your door. That's why insurance is, if for no other reason, insurance is paramount of importance for attorney fees. And, and I rarely see it talked about or built into the the business plan and and sure. um you know that's something that the the small business is supposed to do their 75 page business plan no it really is thinking through and saying you know when when could i potentially have an issue what haven't i thought about uh looking for those things that are in their different blind spots of of what they're going to do and uh, really uh, take a look at that. You know, you, you talked about property, you talked about um, uh, casualty. I always see those terms thrown around. Uh, talk about the differences or, or how that umbrella works together. For sure, property is anything like a building, a dwelling, and, and the casualty is now, that's an older term, it's now called liability, or you hear general liability, you hear it called GL. That's the first thing a landlord's going to require for you to move in is proof of a policy. And most of the time, the, li- the, the liability policy will name the landlord as an additional insured. And the reason for that is I can go out and buy a policy tomorrow, cancel it in five days, but I've got a piece of paper that says I've got insurance for a year. But if the landlord is an additional insured, he gets notified that I canceled my policy after I made one payment. So now he knows that I don't have coverage and he needs to, to remedy that. And so even if you're doing it in a co-working environment or something along those lines, it still may be an insurance requirement that you have. Uh, still may be something that when you're working at home, that property and having that additional coverage, because it may not be underneath your, your homeowner's policy, especially if you're right. claiming, and we're not tax accountants, we're not uh, even saying that we're that, but it's it, these are the types of things where this web fits together of the accounting, the insurance, your tax situation, uh, where you look at it. Um, your laptop at home may not be covered. You didn't get the right types of insurance uh, to to cover it um, because the insurance company, uh, Ken didn't hear this, but I'm saying that the insurance company is going to look for, hey, that was not underneath your policy. A contract actually means something. So if you were walking your laptop out to the car and you dropped it and you said that it was a business expense and you only have personal insurance, you now have put yourself into an issue. And Mm -hmm. I've said this for many years with risk management, it's never an issue until it's an issue until right. it comes up and, and you then start looking for, where did I put that policy? Where did I do those things? Um, right. and, and having that partnership. The one thing an insurance agent never likes to hear is the phone rings and it's a client. He goes, hey, I was up last night reading my policy. Well, they're reading it because they're looking for like, I can't tell you how many people were, were looking for their coverage for business interruption due to pandemic. And it's been, it's, it's excluded virus is excluded, pandemic is excluded, just like you can't burn your building down and put a claim, that's arson, that's called a moral, you know, moral claim. I mean, even though I'm sure it happened a lot, but one thing to remember when 
shopping for insurance is just go through the scenario a day in the life of your company with your with your advisor or your agent and back another point you made is when they're starting a business plan one of the one of the areas where most startups never budget enough revenue is for insurance mm -hmm. they talk about rent they talk about payroll they talk about you know travel expenses and then they just they don't put a number in for insurance that's something you need to do before you're even putting together your business plan is is figure all that out because we have a lot of clients that have they're shocked at how much it is you know just for insurance they didn't budget it but you know carriers are sensitive to that a lot of the carriers nowadays do 10 pays you know 25 percent down and the balance is paid out in small increments it can be ach right from your corporate account to make it more palatable that way fantastic what's the biggest mistake that you've seen a smaller micro sized business make with regards to insurance a biggest mistake is not planning for the future with the right coverage it's going in for the cheap leaving exposures open and you know, payday doesn't always come on Fridays, I tell folks. Is if, if the agent's offering it to you, it's not about making the sale as much as it is, is about making sure the client is whole when there's a claim. So if we're advising a small startup interior decorator, you know, they're not thinking it's going to be X amount of dollars, but think about what they're doing is they're, they're giving advice. They're, they're dealing with contractors that are coming in and hanging thousand pound mirrors on the wall, you know, in a restaurant. Well, if that mirror falls off the wall and, you know, hits a table full of patrons, guess who's going to be sued? The guy that hang, hung the mirror, the restaurant, the interior decorator, and guess who doesn't have enough insurance to cover that? Right. Follow the money. It's yeah. really do not scrimp on insurance. A wise man once told another wise man is, you should have more insurance than you think you need because those attorney firms are, they start at a million, Robert, you know, the hot coffee spill, the, you know, trip and fall in Publix because the guy sprayed the rutabagas with the water hose. It's a million bucks. And then to defend yourself could take days, weeks or months, but it's very disruptive. And in fact, there's a book out, you probably read it, E-Myth, you know, the, the entrepreneurial myth, if your readers, your, your viewers, they ought to get their hands on that book and see what it's all about. Yeah, it's nice to refresh that. It's nice to know that also uh, with that e-myth concept that uh, you're so busy focused as that small business owner on keeping the wind in your sails, I'd like to say, and it's a play on yeah, words, like uh, that you're working with that current business, you're working with that those current things, that every once in a while you do have to take that step back, do that quarterly review, do the uh, educate yourself, bring awareness to what you're doing, get some um, new reports or new tracking on that, uh, because that's what's going to pay off for you in the long haul of doing those types of reviews. And and uh, we're going to be talking about all of the different areas and um, not just insurance, but other things here on this uh, channel. So uh, great points, Ken, to, to, to bring up from that. Oh, I'm glad you're doing this. This will be a huge service to people that find you on social media because there's a lot of good ideas out there, but you're gonna, yours is going to be organized and it's going to be step by step. It's almost like going back to my gas grill. 
you know, in order to put the thing together, you got to read the directions, but it's a whole lot easier to pull up a YouTube video of a guy doing it. So you're not only hearing it, you're watching somebody do it. And when he says, well, this has to be bent this way to get the bolt put in correctly, you know, ahead of time, and you don't think you're going to break anything. So, so yeah. kudos to you for, for coming up with this. Fantastic. Yeah. The, the, the different portions of it. Um, I, I teased it a bit and I know we could do a complete different show on this networking. How important is planting those seeds for business that is six months, a year, two years, three years from now? We like to use the analogy that the, the boat is, is stuck in the water and it never gets up on plane because they haven't planted the seeds, whether it be networking, whether it be contacts, uh, that they're making with potential clients, uh, even those that they don't think are going to be clients right now that don't have their need. And then they never leave a wake. There's never mm -hmm. a wake left behind. So you're not getting that follow-up, whether it be a follow-up call, follow-up email. Your job is 80% networking. How much do you hear from other small and micro businesses? And, and I know the number is shocking. Yeah, we... You know, networking is powerful because it's not, you know, because insurance is a have to have product. Everybody I meet is a prospective client because everybody has to have, if you drive a car, own a home, rent a home, have a business, play sports, do something, the insurance is always going to be in there. So rather than have my selling hat on all the time, I like to ask people, who do they know that might need pet insurance? Pet insurance is really huge now. You know how much it costs for Fluffy to get the hairball removed? Now you just pay a small deductible. You know, everybody has a pet, but did they ever think about insuring it against those catastrophic, you know, vet claims? So, and, and small businesses need to do the same thing. But yet, when I see a lot of the new businesses that pop up out there, it's like they're the deer in the headlight. Like, I need insurance. Who do I even call? I want them to remember they had a conversation with me two or three years ago. And I said, I'm the guy that puts the sure in insurance, something that they'll remember. Mm -hmm. And when I give them my card, I said, go put this in your sock drawer, you know, where, where you have those removed links from your watch band, you know, and the yeah. ring, you know, where, you know, the, that part of your sock drawer. And it's funny, but they'll remember that, you know, they'll, my card will be there. My cell phone hasn't changed in 25 years. So, you know, that's, that's how I do it. It's just constantly letting people know what I do in the same way a small business is run is you got to get out there. And, and proactive. This thing still works to reach yeah. out. Even if it's just leaving a message, it, it does work on making those follow-up contacts, being able to do that. So that's, that's just something that uh, um, people are going to hear from me consistently because uh, I, I love the places that have the grand opening and I never hear from them again. I, I, I knew that they're new, but then I never KNEW, I never knew that they were still in business. They didn't remind me, they didn't reach out, they didn't do anything uh, as opposed to, you know, Ken, I know you're reaching out, you're letting folks know, hey, I'm still here. It does, it's not a sales call, it's not something that's providing some sort of value and said, hey, it's always available for that review. It's always available to do business, but it's more of a contact of how are you doing, how's the family, those types of yep. things. So that's I commend you on that, but that's something that uh, 
I see so many small and micro businesses really need to do that. They, they're they just trudging through and not actually building up a, a base of business. Yeah, my biggest sale ever insurance was over a million in premium and it was an eight year sales process from the time I had lunch with the owner of a large staffing company. And then I just do what I call a, 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 a drip. I ask permission if I can follow up because they all give it to you because they figure no one ever follows up. <laughs> I just say, Robert said, okay, if every six months or a year, I just give you a quick call or send you a text just to see how things are going. And they all say, sure, sure he'll yeah. never do it. But I have the CRM, right? Don't we, you can even put it in, in Outlook, yeah. your calendar, scroll six months forward, call up the guy and say, how's everything going? And eight years of, he finally called me, he goes, you're gonna get your shot. You've been hanging in there this whole time and it was a good ending, happy ending. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Ken, stay safe, stay healthy through this. Uh, it's great to see some of the things that uh, W3 does to give back to the uh, St. Pete community. Uh, there's a, a number of uh, small businesses just like yours around the country. And I, I, I consider that uh, from our definition, a, a mid-sized company uh, because we're looking right. at the 10 employees less, but it, it takes your type of company to help out those small and micro-sized businesses. And they can't be afraid to reach out and, and ask for help. No, and that's what we're really here for. It's not about, it's not selling, it's educating. And, and an educated client is, is a good client. They're a client for life. Fantastic. Well, appreciate all of you tuning in. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on all of the major players. Uh, so whether you're at stuck at home or you're driving back and forth to see clients, uh, Automobile University, uh, where you can tune in and uh, listen on your favorite player. Ken, I appreciate you joining us. Until next time, make it a great day. All right, Robert. Be safe out there. Take care. Fantastic.